Hey friends, welcome to Real Talk with Rachel. I'm your host, Rachel Gilbert, and I'm so glad that you've chosen to tune in today. This show is a safe space with real conversations to help you live free and pursue your God-given dreams. You can think of it as a therapy session with your best friend. Oftentimes, God brings things up because they are on the way out. Let's lean in to this topic that God's bringing up today on wilderness seasons. Be sure to stick around till the end of the show for a short segment where I share counselor-approved strategies to take this Real Talk episode and make it relevant in your everyday life through simple action steps. Today's guest is Lauren Chandler. Lauren is a wife and mother of three. Her husband, Matt Chandler, serves as the lead teaching pastor at the Village Church in Flower Mound, Texas. Lauren is passionate about writing, music, and leading worship, not only at the Village Church, but also for groups across the country. She's the author of the recently released Bible study, With Us in the Wilderness. It's a study of the Book of Numbers. She's also wrote Steadfast Love, The Response of God to the Cries of Our Heart, and a children's book, Goodbye to Goodbyes, a true story about Jesus, Lazarus, and an empty tomb. Well, you might have guessed it that Lauren and I talked about her recent study about the book of Numbers. Y'all, she has a way of making this book come alive, all while bringing us hope about these wilderness seasons. I know you're going to love today's conversation with Lauren, so let's welcome her to the show right now. Well, hello, Lauren. Welcome to the show. I'm excited to have you here today. Thanks for having me, Rachel. Yay. So glad to be here. I'm glad I get to see you in person. Yes, I'm loving this versus Zoom. Yeah. So this is great. Yes, yes. Zoom. We love Zoom, right? Yeah. It serves a purpose, but it man, does. sometimes sometimes I don't love Zoom. Yes. That's okay. <laughs> I definitely prefer face-to-face. Yes. Um, okay, so I, in the intro, read your professional bio, mm-hmm. but I'd love to ask our listeners, what's maybe something, a fun fact that people yeah. don't know about you? Um, I'm an amateur bird watcher. <laughs> I love backyard bird watching. So I have a pair of binoculars that sit by my kitchen sink because I have a big picture window above my sink and I look out and I watch the birds and I have bird feeders and all that. And I'm a real big bird nerd. In fact, um, this uh, winter we had these birds that come in um, called cedar wax wings and they have like a mask and they've got like yellow waxy tips on their wings and um but they you know they come in the winter and then they're gone by spring and I was up in Montana like at the end of July and I saw cedar wax wings up there and I was like oh my gosh so cool that I like followed their migration pattern you know they were down here in the winter and then up there in the summer so big bird nerd Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. Have you always loved birds or is that new? Or? I have. I've always loved birds. I had um, one of my grandmothers was loved birds. She always had like a bird feeder that she'd sit and watch the birds and found a lot of peace watching them. And so she had like bird prints in her house. And so I think I, I think I got it from her. That's so cool. When I was in high school, this is not birds, but you made me yeah. think of it. Uh-huh. I was in forestry club yeah. and I would go judge trees. I don't know why I kind of suppressed this memory and I just remember judging trees and I actually like won a trophy. I'm like, it's so random. I These love weird things that. we do. I'm like, what in the world? What was that? I if I'd know. known there was like a forestry kind of club, I would have totally signed up for it. Yeah. I love that. I feel like that's the biggest nerd alert thing ever, but <laughs> 
whatever. Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> so I'm with you on the nature thing. Yes. I'm like, I just like to observe it. It's really yes, cool. Yes, me too. Yeah. All right. So today we're talking about one of your recent Bible studies, but you've written several books, yeah. right? Do you mm-hmm. want to briefly share yeah. about those? So I wrote a trade book with B&H. Um, I think it came out, came out in 2016 called Steadfast Love, and it is a meditation on Psalm 107. And it's basically the Psalm 107 is about four groups of people in distress and they're all God's people. So they're in wandering in a desert or wilderness, um, in chains, suffering from their own folly or caught in a storm, and how God shows his steadfast love towards them in the midst of each distress and how he delivers them out of it. But then I weave kind of my own story through all these situations because I've been in all those places where I've felt dry and lonely in the wilderness. I've felt, you know, enslaved to sin or to habits and patterns of living. Um, and I've suffered consequence of my own folly. And then it kind of culminates in the storm that our family went through when my husband was diagnosed with a brain tumor in 2009. And so, um, and praise God, he's healthy today, um, 12 years later. But so that was kind of my first book. And then, um, I ended up turning that to Bible study because it was really studying Psalm 107 in depth. And what does that, what did that mean for God's people then? And what does it mean for us now? And then um, a few years later, I had um, Lifeway come back to me and say, Hey, is there anything else you want to write about or study? And I was like, How about numbers? You know, so with us in the wilderness came out um, this past February. But I also have a children's book called Goodbye to Goodbyes that came out a few years ago, too. So, yeah. So with with us in the wilderness, were you writing that during COVID or before? Before. So I said yes to writing it in like the summer of 2019, August 2019, I started writing it, which is crazy. Yeah. You know, I know there's no way I could have known. Yeah. Oh, I love those kinds of stories that Mm -hmm. you, you set out to write something that the Lord knew we would need desperately. Yeah. Like major wilderness coming for everyone on earth, basically. Yeah. All right. So then I I also have to know book and numbers. Most people just kind of go, and can we skip this one? (laughs) And can I, you know, speed read and pretend like I just read, knew what I read, but really didn't. Why do, why do we all have this viewpoint of numbers that we just want to kind of jump over it. Well, I kind (laughs) of blame the Bible translators that named it numbers. I'm like, you are doing no favors to this book of the Bible. Uh, Because actually in the Hebrew, you know, scriptures, it's called in the wilderness. And I'm Mm. like, that piques my interest a lot more than numbers. Unless like, I'm a math nerd, which I kind of am, which is fine. (laughs) I love algebra. (laughs) Like I'm helping my kids do algebra right now and I'm loving it. But uh, yeah, Matt, like uh, he'll catch me. What I've been doing is... So one of my kids is doing it online, and so I've been doing it, their homework, but not for them, but so they can check it, and I'm so excited to do it every time. But anyway, so numbers might be cool for like accountants and math nerds like us, Mm -hmm. but I think for the rest of us, we're like, oh, in the wilderness, I can identify with feeling like I'm in the wilderness. And so I think part of why we're not really peaked to uh, our interest isn't really peaked to study numbers as the name and two it really is filled with lots of numbers and names that are really hard to pronounce and so I think we um, pass over it but I as I started studying it and reading it I found stories that we could all relate with you know and that 
made me really curious about who God is and what he's doing, you know, with his people in the wilderness. Yeah. Uh, so on Instagram, before I interview my guest, I usually will ask, hey, do you guys have questions? And people always submit great questions, but I pulled a couple of them for today because yeah. I thought these two are in particular really good. Mm-hmm. Um, this woman said she's read your book yeah. uh, in this Bible study, and she said that you did a great job of destigmatizing some tough mm. passages about women. Yeah. So I would love if you can share today with the listeners yeah. um, some of the context around that of what her what she said there. I think um, if I'm remembering correctly, it is about the um, test for adultery mm. and. I think it's numbers five. I can't, I opened it up and then I forgot to bring my Bible with me. But it's basically this, if a husband uh, feels jealousy or feels like his wife might have cheated on him, basically there was a way that the woman could kind of be vindicated or would be um, pretty much convicted. And so it was, she had to come before the priest and he would, like take the dust from the floor of the tabernacle and put it in water and she had to drink it and all this stuff. So it was like a test. And I think we can see that and we can think how patriarchal, how misogynistic and why don't they just believe her? And, you know, I think we can be like, what, what's God doing here? And I think what, where I saw God's heart was that he was giving her an opportunity to be vindicated because in that society, I mean, Um, In that time, men ruled because they are physically stronger, bigger, and and had all the favor of culture. And so a woman was more property or possession, didn't really have her own voice. And so I see God's heart of giving that woman a chance Mm. to be like, because, I mean, other cultures are probably like, if, if a man just got tired of his wife, he could just say, well, I think she's sleeping around on me, and so I'm kicking her to the curb. Well, this was a way for God's, God to say, not with my people. With my people, women will have a chance. They'll have a voice to be able to say, hey, I submit myself before the priest and because my conscience is clear, because I have been right. And then if she has gone astray, then it's an opportunity for her to repent too, you know, mm-hmm. and knowing, man, if I go astray, I, I'm not just held accountable by my husband and our, and our, and the people I'm held accountable by God. And he cares about this. He cares about my holiness. He cares about me believing who he is. And so, um, that's the great thing about going through a book of the Bible is you don't get to skip over really hard parts, mm-hmm. but I, I can read numbers in the context of all of scripture from him creating Adam and Eve, male and female, that he had a place for women all along the way, that Jesus had disciples that were women, that he was ministered to by women, that women were part of the early church and contributed and supported the ministry of Paul and others. You know, So I can read that part knowing God's heart is for women and not against them. Yeah. You said something there that I love. You said that we can read the Bible, not skip over those hard pieces. I, yeah. I don't know about you, but I mean, I've been guilty of this and I know a lot of people can enter into reading the Bible. And when we get to those hard parts, either skip it because it's hard or skip it because we don't understand. Yeah. So what do you have any encouragement for somebody listening today? Who's like, yeah, that's me. When I read the Bible, maybe yeah. even especially books like numbers, it's just hard. Yeah. I don't get it. You know, mm-hmm. how can we encourage them to lean into that? I would say, 
One, I think it's super important if you'll notice at the beginning of every day of homework that I have in the workbook, which they don't want me to call it homework, but I still call it homework. Um, it, there's an opportunity to pause, breathe, and pray. Mm. And so just taking a moment, moment before you open the scriptures to just pause, just breathe out, like, and remember, you know, because the Holy Spirit is is the word for the Spirit has to do with, like, breath. And so it's another reminder of, I need the Holy Spirit to illuminate my heart to understand what he inspired people to write about God. And so, um, you know, praying and asking for the Holy Spirit's illumination as you read, and then just reading and trying to, like, asking questions and and being okay asking questions and asking the Lord for clarity, asking other people that maybe have been studying scriptures a lot longer than you have, and, and then just keep reading. And so read it this time and maybe it's hard to understand and you you get a little bit of clarity, uh, maybe writing questions out, but then keep reading the rest of the Bible and you might find the answer there too. And then going back and reading it again. And so I think just staying in the word, asking for the Holy Spirit's illumination asking questions of God, you know, and then asking questions of people that you know have maybe been studying longer than you have. And and church history helps us too because we're not the first ones to struggle uh, over certain passages or have questions. And so knowing knowing doctrine actually does help because uh, we can see places where people didn't understand stuff and instead of of thinking well, how do, how has the church always thought about this? And they kind of think, well, let's feel, think about it differently. Well, a lot of heretics come from that space. And so I think how has the church historically thought about this also helps in clarifying those hard passages. The recurring word I heard you say was asking. Yeah. And I just love that. Ask people, ask the Holy Spirit, ask, you know, even ask, you know, yourself, what do I really believe to be true here? Yeah. And being okay with pausing yeah. and reflecting and asking hard questions, good questions, all the questions. I'm a fan of questions, if you can't yeah. tell. I'm like, I mean, that's <laughs> kind of what I job. do. Yeah. I'm like, that's what I do. But yeah, I love asking good questions. I think just so much fruit comes from that. Yeah. Um, another great listener question. She said, what can we learn from numbers about how God speaks? Mm, this is a great question. And I have given, given some thought to it. So numbers comes right after Leviticus, which is the law, you know, Levitical law. And so we can know, you know, how God speaks through his word, through the law, through scripture. But then we also see how God intimately speaks to Moses. I mean, he speaks to him face to face. He um, he meets with him on the mountain. And so I think there is, we see God speak through Moses to the people. And then he also shows up and speaks through, uh, so there's a way that he speaks through, um, there was a rebellion, uh, Korah's rebellion, where there's a group of, they were Levites, but they were not the high priest. They were not the ones that did like the offerings in the tabernacle. They had other duties. Um, and they were like, hey, why are Moses and Aaron special? Why are Aaron and his um, family special? Why can't we be like them? And so they were going to try to offer incense, which was only Aaron and his family's job. And um, the Lord has Moses like kind of do this test and kind of like, hey, I'm going to show you 
who God prefers. And so there's this whole thing where like, um, well, the earth swallows up Korah and some of the rebellious people. And then um, there's this uh, like Aaron staff blooms to show, no, this is my guy. And so I think the Lord can speak to his people kind of in that way and, and maybe some kind of circumstances. I don't mean if bad things happen to you that the Lord's displeased with you, but just that he can speak in various ways. But we can always know it's him by whether it is consistent with the character of God that we see in the Bible. And so that being our measuring stick, um, but also knowing he can speak and move in in various ways um, if we're willing to listen for him and then also be discerning. Today's episode is brought to you by JoyMail, the monthly newsletter I release that's full of resources that deliver a little joy and practical action steps into your inbox and life. To sign up, simply head to rachelgilbert.com, click the Start Here tab, and sign up for the newsletter right there. I love, I'm going to sum up something you just said there. Is it consistent with the character of God? Yeah. That's so huge. Mm -hmm. That is such a good measuring stick. So then how would you tell people to learn the character of God? <laughs> I would say by studying scripture. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And not from, that's something I've been challenged on because it's really easy to want to just take all of the things I know to be true about God from what other people have told me yeah. or their own experiences. And those are great, you know, mm -hmm. testimonies and things like that. But it's not the same that's as right. getting into the word myself and that's learning right. myself. You know, that's I've heard it kind of equivalent to that'd be like me learning about my husband from yeah. somebody else. You yes. know, and they told me all the things about my husband, but I've never actually sat with my husband yeah. and got to know him. Yeah. What is he like? What you know, all those things. Mm -hmm. And so I'm always I'm always challenged to get more into the word and just yeah read it for myself and, and let the Lord speak to me too. So, yeah. um, all right. So in the study, you say that God often will use wilderness seasons to show that life is best when centered on him. Mm -hmm. um, can you share a personal wilderness season where you had to put that to the test? Yeah. <laughs> um, I've had, it's funny. I was just talking to someone about this. I've had various wilderness seasons in my life and I think the Lord has wanted to accomplish something different in each one. And um, I've walked out of it differently. Um, but I would say kind of one of the first wildernesses I remember. Um, so I'm a, a worship leader also, and I, I love music. I've loved music since I was little. I would sit at my piano and play and pick out melodies and sing. And I sang at church, you know, from an early age. But I think I was wrapping a lot of my happiness and identity in music. And so I would sing and be dissatisfied because I didn't like how I sounded, or I would not sing and be dissatisfied because I wasn't singing. And so the Lord never let me find any kind of satisfaction or contentment in that for a while. And so it felt real dry, and I felt lost in the midst of that. And the Lord used actually a ministry called Recovery, <laughs> Celebrate Recovery, of all things. You know, normally it's for people that have addictions, but I would say, uh, for me, I was just confused about who God was, about who I was and what he had for me. I wanted to be identified by what I did and what people saw rather than being identified by whose I was. And so that wilderness, it was like the Lord made things really uncomfortable for me 
so that I everything would be stripped away and that I would have to come to face with where I was trying to go for satisfaction and identity. And the Lord was like, it's just me. It's it. My grace is sufficient for you. And so, you know, my life had been centered on. And so the camp that God has the people of Israel set up, set up as a tabernacle at the very center and everything else is, you know, arranged around it. And um, it was like I had me in the middle instead of in the place of the tabernacle, instead of God's presence and who he is at the middle of my quote unquote camp. And so it was like the Lord saying, you can't do this. Like this is not any sustainable life. Like you cannot be the center of your life. It, it, it has to be me, my presence. You can't define your life by what you do, what you've been given to do, the talents that you have, the roles that you play. Um, it's got to be me, who I am and what I say about you. And so um, in the wilderness, it was like the Lord reorienting and reordering my heart. So it was based on him and not me and what I could do and how I'm defined. Um, and so that was one wilderness and, and how the setup of that camp was just rearranged and I, I needed to get it in the right order or I was going to be worn out and enslaved, honestly, for the rest of my life. I love that visual. I'm a very visual mm -hmm. person. So mm -hmm. I'm like, if you can give me a visual is illustration, I'm it's it'll be there for life. Yeah. And that you just put words to because I mean, I know all of us have wilderness seasons mm -hmm. and it's always on the other side of a wilderness season that I look back and I go, oh, I see what you were doing, yeah. even though it was hard and uncomfortable and I was begging to get out of it and yeah. all the things yeah. you were literally, I, I'd never put words to it, to mm. what, how you just described it, but that's so powerful. Just mm. he was rearranging yeah. before you could move on. Yeah. And that's, you know, I, I just love that. And I love that he loves us so much that he won't let us move on. Yeah until we get in the, our heart in the right position and the priorities in the right position until, yeah. you know, we're not the center anymore. <laughs> yeah. Yes. It's yeah. so loving and uh -huh. so kind of him to yeah. do that to us. Yeah. It doesn't feel nope. kind in the moment, <laughs> you know, you're like, eh, it's pretty know. miserable. Yeah. Where are you at? You know? Yeah. So, oh, that's so powerful. Okay. Well, I do want to chat for about community because you teach yeah. about that in the book and I'm a big fan of community. Yes. I love, love community. Although, I say that I'm an introvert, a pretty yeah. high level introvert. Yeah, so, <laughs> I'm with you. Uh, uh, community is an interesting thing for me because I love it and stuff. But then sometimes I'm like, okay, now I need a minute yep. by myself. And, yep. um, but you talk about how community is a place where we can show our strengths and our weaknesses. Yeah. And I, I think sometimes it's easier to show our strengths, of course, because we're people, oh, yeah. we're human. I mean, especially when we first meet somebody, I'm not going to sit here and be like, well, right. here's all my weaknesses. And, yeah. you know, that kind of scares some people off. Um, so how <laughs> can we, how can we actually enter into community and be truly vulnerable with each other and yeah. really have those safe spaces? Yeah. Um, I think looking for it. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's important. And, and I, I agree, like, um, you know, you don't want to tell everybody, you kind of just dump on them all of a sudden when you first meet them, um, because you don't know, are they, are they trustworthy? Mm -hmm. I mean, so it's going to take time and you're going to have, you're going to have layers of community. There are going to be people that know you to certain, I mean, if you think about Jesus, he had his three, 
you know, the inner circle. And then he had the 12 and then there's the 70 and then the 120 or whatever that, that that was all community and they all had relationships with each other, but they varied. You know, it's important to at least look for people and give them opportunities to be trustworthy mm. and, and kind of just giving a little at a time. And I've learned the hard way. Unfortunately, Mm -hmm. I am definitely an introvert. Like I need my alone time. And then I do like people. I like certain people and I like to go deep. Mm -hmm. I don't like surface like conversations. And so I think that's gotten me in trouble because I've felt like trust has been built, but maybe I felt trustworthy, you know, and, and I misread it Mm -hmm. and, um, and I've, I've gotten hurt and, and you're going to get hurt in community because you're being vulnerable. But I think I got hurt when I didn't have to get hurt because I had, I, there's a verse talks about don't throw your pearls before swine. You know, there are people that just might not understand what you're giving them that is valuable to you and they end up trampling it Mm -hmm. and, and you end up hurt. And so I think being wise, looking for people and giving them opportunities to be trustworthy and building on that and not being wise, but also not being coming off as superhuman as if you have no faults or no weaknesses, but being, being as transparent as you can and then giving people opportunity to build trust and, and for you to be a trustworthy person too. So for you to be a safe place for someone to be honest and start building trust with you and, um, receiving them without judging harshly, um, listening, and then being compassionate and loving and kind. And and maybe there are some ways you could speak back into somebody um, to build them up or to kind of help them see, mm, I don't know, maybe that's something you need to examine deeper. And um, yeah, so community, I think, is super important. I think community is good because we all will have our times where it's it's hard to see um, Jesus. It's hard to see what he's doing. It's easy to second guess ourselves, to second guess God, and to have a community around you. It's like, no, 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 no. He loves you. Look how he has been faithful to you. I'm praying for you. I know. And it's okay that you're struggling. Like to have people come around you and say, hey, I'm just going to sit with you in the midst of this and remind you of the truth and that God's faithful, but I'm also just going to rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep, you know? And so I, I think it's important just for our own souls, like stamina. And then also, I don't think we can truly be all that God has intended us to be outside of community. I think that's where we figure out what our gifts are and and maybe how the Lord wants to use our gifts is um, in belonging to a community. Yeah. You know, you mentioned that you learned some of these things the hard way. Yeah. And I think we all can say, yep, been yeah. there, done that, have the t-shirt. And um, <laughs> yeah. uh, what would you say to somebody listening? Because I think that that same thing probably has happened to a lot of people yeah. that maybe didn't have wisdom on yeah. who, who they trusted or yeah. who they shared with and they got hurt. And I know when we get hurt, then the tendency is to go hard, yep. you know, it and is. then that was my lesson. I'll, you know, you better believe I'll never, you know, tell yeah. anybody anything ever again. And yeah. we kind of make these little inner, you know, decisions vows. and mm-hmm. vows. Yeah. That we just are like, Nope, not going there. So how did you practically move past that and, yeah. you know, go back to having wisdom and who to trust, but being okay to open up again? Yeah. <laughs> I think being, 
looking at the situation, seeing my part of it, mm-hmm. owning it, asking forgiveness where I needed to, um, and then just trying again and just remembering, I think I've always been that I'll give the benefit of the doubt. And so even if I felt a red flag somewhere, I'd be like, well, that's just harsh and I'm being judgmental and I just need to give the benefit of the doubt. And instead of doing that, instead of just disregarding any kind of red flag, that might be the Holy Spirit saying, just be careful. I've been like, okay, I'm just going to pay attention to that flag. I'm not going to let it dominate this relationship, but I'm going to be mindful and I'm going to be innocent as a dove and shrewd as a serpent. I'm going to be shrewd and, and at least just walk with my eyes wide open, paying attention to any kind of hitch I get in my spirit or discernment that flares, you know, and be like, okay, that could be me. That could be some kind of insecurity in me, or it could be the Holy Spirit. I'm just going to keep one step, you know, one foot in front of the other until it, it becomes parent, apparent which one of those that is. Yeah. Oh, that's such practical advice. Yeah. I love that. I love that so much. Um, okay. So as we start to wrap up our conversation, I would love to know if you have a final word of encouragement for the l- listeners who are raising their hand saying, yes, I'm currently in a wilderness season. Yeah. <laughs> do you have any encouraging words yes, for them? <laughs> I do. I would say it's not going to last forever. I can remember when my babies were really young and I wasn't sleeping. And I remember thinking, is this going to last forever? And it didn't. They sleep and they sleep really well now. Yeah. Almost too well. Yes, <laughs> almost too well. I'm like, okay, guys. Yeah. Um, but I always think about that when I think about the wilderness, like it will not last forever. That he is with you in it and he's not going to waste it. Like he is doing something, even if it feels like nothing, And then two, and then fourth, I guess I just listed three. The (laughs) last thing um, is to to fight against any kind of shame, accusation, or condemnation you might feel if you just need to sit and rest in the midst of the wilderness. And it's okay if if you just don't do anything for a while. And that's okay. If you think about it, the people um, of Israel still observed the Sabbath in the midst of the wilderness. And so even just resting from trying to earn any kind of like good standing with the Lord, or I should be doing something, my life should count, you know, whatever that is, that maybe this is um, a season where the Lord's just like, how about you just sit and rest and, and be okay just being mine and not having to produce or accomplish or do for me. Um, cause I think sometimes we can feel like in the wilderness, I, I don't want to waste it. I want all that I can out of this. And, and we can doubt like, am I just, you know, in the wilderness? Cause I'm not doing something. Mm. I think be willing to just sit there and receive from the Lord, even in the midst of the wilderness that you don't have to do that. He is pleased in, in you just being because of Christ, because of your faith in Christ alone. And that's it. His grace. Yes, that reminds me, and I don't know who to attribute this saying to, but I've once heard somebody say that we're human beings, not human doings. That's right. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) I'm like, yep, "Yep, that's so, so good. Okay, so before we hop off of here, where can listeners connect with you and then get copies of your books that you have out? Uh, The best place to get the Bible studies in the trade book are lifeway.com. And then uh, 
the children's book, Goodbye to Goodbyes, is, uh, you can find that pretty much anywhere, Amazon, all that. And then to connect me with me, I do have a website, laurenchandler.com. I'm not super great at keeping it updated, but I'm on Instagram probably more than anything at Lauren Chandler. Um, I really just like pretty pictures, so I don't, I might say some things here or there, but for the most part, I like to share the pretty things that I get to see every now and then. Yeah, yeah. And we'll definitely have all of those links in today's show notes. Well, Lauren, thank you again for taking time to come on. It's always a pleasure and I can't wait for the listeners to meet you. Thanks for having me. Well, it is time for Let's Get Real Practical. This is the part of the show that we take the topic discussed with today's guest and we get into some practical steps you can implement into your life right now. Now, I thought that Lauren did a great job of sharing practical tips really throughout our entire interview. The visual she shared about the tabernacle being in the center, it's one that's going to stick with me forever. I think you guys have been, if you've been around here very long, you know I love visuals because if you can make something come alive to me with a picture, I remember it. And I think most people are this way. I love that this visual that Lauren shared with us reminds us that God can use these wilderness seasons. He doesn't always send us them our way, but he can definitely use them to help reposition our heart posture so we are no longer the center of our life, but he is. I was very convicted during this interview. I'm not going to lie. Man, I feel like I so easily slip back to being center. And that's just such a great reminder that I don't want to be the center of my life. I know, you know, my flesh thinks it wants to be, but it doesn't work out ever. So I want us to just process and pray. I have two questions. I want us to process and pray and ask God these questions. There's only two today. So I'm hoping just only being two, you'll really lean into these two questions. The first thing I want you to say is this, God, where are you in this wilderness season? Now, you might need to take a few more minutes outside of today's time together and just really process that because I don't know about you, but in these wilderness seasons, it feels really lonely at times. It is lonely. (laughs) We have been in a wilderness season ourselves, my husband and I, and it's lonely. And I think it's easy for us in these seasons to kind of just think, I think we're alone. I think we're lost. I I don't know where we went wrong. And like Lauren was talking about, we start trying to hustle and change something that we're doing. And all the while the Lord's going, just be, just sit with me. Now, the next question I want you to ask God, say, God, where am I in this wilderness season? Where am I? Are you at the center, like Lauren described, that you're just plopped right there in the center? Or maybe you're on the outskirts looking in as your life is happening and you feel super like out of control or uh, just like things are spiraling. I don't know. But ask the Lord to show you where you are. And see if you, you get the connection point. I hope you know where I'm going with this. If we find out where he is and we find out where we are, why not just walk together and join up with him? Link arms with him. I really feel like he wants to do that today. So let me just close out and just pray a prayer of blessing over you. If you can relate to today's episode of maybe you're not in a wilderness season, maybe you're coming out of one, maybe you're going into one. I mean, we're always kind of transitioning through seasons of life, right? But maybe you know someone who's in a wilderness season and you go, you know what? I know that my friend happens to be in a wilderness season. Why don't you bless that friend and send them the link to this episode that maybe they could listen to it and be blessed or however the Lord wants to use you to bless that friend. 
So Father, we thank you that you are with us no matter where we are. Even when we feel like we're walking through the desert in a wilderness place, you're there. You're always there. You're always leading. You're always guiding. You're always speaking. So I just speak life over everybody who's sitting under the sound of my voice today, that they would just sense your presence, they'd feel your peace, and that you would just speak to them, speak to their heart. We ask all this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Well, that concludes not only our Get Real Practical segment for today, but the whole show. And as always, if God spoke a word to you, would you leave a review? Tell us about it. I get to read those. My guests get to read those. And then other listeners, as they're scrolling through all the thousands of podcasts they could choose from, they go, oh, that's a cool review. Maybe I'll check out that show. And so it brings other listeners to the show as well. Well, my friends, I pray that this Real Talk episode brought you one step closer to living free and pursuing your God-given dreams. I'll see you back here next time on Real Talk with Rachel.